This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, and here at the Finding Holy Podcast, it is our aim to bring you great conversations, thoughtful ideas with leaders, activists, artists, professors, and pastors to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. I know 2020 has been a total ride for most of us. And so I wanted to begin season four talking about all of these things. We have been inundated with how do we respond to a global pandemic and an economic crisis? How do we respond to political polarization and racism and so many things that feel like they are not just ideas out there, but they are affecting our every moment and our waking hours. So join me for season four, Living Faithfully in an Upside Down World. And remember to stick around because at the end of every episode, not only will you get to hear my guest laundry routines, but you will also get to have one small step to take with you into your everyday holy life. So without further ado, here is my very first guest. Born in Guatemala City, W. David O. Taylor is Associate Professor of Theology and Culture at Fuller Theological Seminary and is the author of the most recent release of his called Open and Unafraid, The Psalms and the Life of Faith. You might know David as the guy who was the question asker in a recent popular film released with Bono and Eugene Peterson a few years back. I invited David Taylor on to the podcast because I wanted to help frame some of these big topical questions with how does the Bible actually approach all of our emotional turmoil? So enjoy this conversation with David. All right, friends, I am excited to welcome to the podcast David Taylor. He's a author of several books. His most recent is called Open and Unafraid. It's a book all on the Psalms and... David and I have hung out on Twitter a little bit, and so I was like, hey, you want to come on the podcast, and we're going to talk about the life of faith and Psalms and creation and this moment in time, and thankfully he obliged. So thanks for being here, David. Thank you. Many people probably have seen your video with Bono and Eugene Peterson in mm. 2016 on the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really that probably fed into this particular book, I imagine, some yeah. of the sorts of conversations. How did the psalms become a personal prayer book for you? I didn't grow up in a tradition that made much of the psalms, but I honestly can't remember a single song, sermon, mm-hmm. or, or extended prayer mm-hmm. um, from the psalms. I mean, obviously people pray from the psalms all the time because it's just so quotable, but um, it wasn't until I was in seminary at a region yeah. college and in a class with Eugene that uh, I uh, caught a vision mm-hmm. uh, for the Psalms, not as this thing that I would visit on an occasional or in an occasionalist um, mm-hmm. way, but mm-hmm. as a kind of normative and discovering how very normative it has been for Christians throughout much of church history and how we in the 
modern-ish <laughs> era are the exception. Yeah. And, um, you know, so Eugene, he calls it um, uh, a, a kind of grammar school, a grammar school for prayer. Um, John Calvin called it, you know, the anatomy of the soul. Uh, Athanasius called it the bomb of salvation. Martin Luther called it the little Bible. Tim Keller calls it the medicine chest. They're all getting at the same thing, mm-hmm. which is that the Psalter is this way to train us in how to listen to God and talk to God. And that, I know that sounds like a, like either a funny thing to say or, or it's funny because it's so obvious it's dismissible. Yeah. But I think when you look at how the Psalter, and I'm going to get to your real answer question, but when you look at how the Psalms teach us all that we can say to God, all the mm-hmm. comprehensive range of things that we can talk about, and you compare it to your family culture or your church culture, mm-hmm. there's a decent chance there's a disparity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so that, mm-hmm. I think, was what caught me by surprise. And then in, in Eugene's class, there's a sense of being caught up in this vision. And so that was the advice you know, that yeah. he gave uh, us at the very end of that class was to read a psalm a day, get to the end, start over. And there was something uh, unfussy, unsophisticated, uncomplicated mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. that advice, which again, it's tempting to dismiss it. It's, it's like, too easy. Right. This is not but what serious ask- seminarians do. <laughs> 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 right. I mean, and again, like I've been in, in, in charismatic Pentecostal churches that have a very particular way of praying. I have been in Presbyterian and Episcopalian churches that have a very particular kind of way of praying. And the Psalms are able to be generous enough to encompass all of them, but also mm-hmm. to expand and break open, you know, mm-hmm. these various mm-hmm. kind of traditions of, of prayer. And again, the monastic tradition would simply tell us that there's nothing really fancy about praying them, but there's something profoundly, um, and I can't think of a better word than just reformative in the sense that it's yeah. just this complete metamorphosis of how you think about everything. Mm. And this is a path that you walk through 150 poems uh, through every terrain of human life and, and you get to pray it all. That was something that would I would never have heard in mm-hmm. my upbringing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like mad at my upbringing. I just feel <laughs> malnourished. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I did that for several years. I read mm-hmm. the Psalms back to back, uh, front to back, whatever. Um, and then took a break and then we turned and then I kind of go in and out of different habits of praying the Psalms, but they, they have saturated my genetic Hmm. spiritual code as it were. So tell us why the Psalms matter now. And it seemed to me that the Psalms can give us a language for this particular moment. So could you speak to that? The Psalms function as a, a prayerful devotional liturgical antidote to our primordial sin, uh, which is twofold. One, to hide from God and and run away from God. Mm -hmm. And the other is to shut down and shut off from others. Mm -hmm. That is the history of humankind, Mm -hmm. right? And we always get in trouble when we do one or the other. And by get in trouble, Mm -hmm. I mean... um, we damage, we damage right. ourselves, we damage our neighbor, we damage creation. Uh, it's, it's effects are destructive. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a variation on theme of death inducing. 
So human life on its own without a pandemic and without, you know, <laughs> right, what's right. going on in our streets yeah. is already yeah. hard. It's yeah. hard to be human. Um, and we are already tempted in all sorts of uh, uh, obvious and very subtle and sneaky ways to hide and run away from God or to shut down and shut off from others or to shut down and shut off from ourselves. Right. And right. We become strangers to ourselves and then... <laughs> We become you know, disoriented and disequilibrated and, and then we're out of sorts and then we do things, again, yep. that are harmful. And obviously we can't, we can't punch God in the nose. <laughs> we, can, we can wrestle with God, but yeah. we, <clears throat> we harm God by harming ourselves and our neighbor. That's how mm. we get back at God. Mm-hmm. And so in this pandemic, well, let's just start with that. The yeah. pandemic... Uh, took away creature comforts. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're left with an extraordinary amount of silence and an extraordinary amount of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in those spaces, we discover, I discover, I don't mean the generic we, I, I discover things that I've wanted to keep putting off, keep mm-hmm. hunting down mm-hmm. you know, the road of life. And someday I'll get to them, but then I discover that there is a serious shortcoming in me as a husband. That now it's, 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 it's unavoidable. It's stark. Right. And I can't run away. I cannot really literally run away. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm doing things that are hurting my wife or I'm doing things that are maybe hurting my children, either sense of omission or commission. And I need help. Yep. And, uh, and so you just multiply and, you know, make those exponential and, and every kinds of circumstance. And so, um, the Psalms come along and provide us edited language to give expression to our unedited emotions, unedited thoughts, unedited, you know, incoherent experiences of life. So I guess they give me permission to say mm-hmm. certain things. Mm-hmm. They give me language to mm-hmm. start off. Like, I don't know where to start off. Mm-hmm. And then in giving me permission and language, they begin doing a slow therapeutic work. Um, so why, how long have you forgotten us? This is hard. Have you forgotten me? This is the hundredth time I'm saying this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to spiral down into a dark place. Are you in this darkness? Are you in this silence that I'm experiencing? Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I call the Psalms of sadness, the Psalms of anger, uh, lament, and, and curse mm-hmm. were very much needed because there was a lot of loss um, mm-hmm. on every level, you know, schools and churches and, you know, loss of income. Uh, livelihoods. And so the Psalms of Lament are saying, yes, you can be upset. Yes, you can be upset in all sorts of ways. There isn't mm. only one way. Mm-hmm. Or, or there's only one way to express your upset because there isn't only one kind of sorrow or loss or grief in, mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. So you need a whole range of ways, um, as well as once it becomes um, once you experience death, like if somebody has died because of the pandemic, died young, died old, died untimely. And then, of course, you take the whole kind of racial uh, ferment uh, uh, of the last few weeks even mm-hmm. more so, you know, mm-hmm. sort of the rage yeah. um, at the 400 years. Um, and the Psalms come along, and, and my friend David Bailey calls it, uh, these particular Psalms, the school of anger. Mm-hmm. 
um, to show us how to be, you know, faithfully angry, you know, righteously angry, or, or Eugene calls it how to cuss without cussing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the Psalms would say, be a mess. Mm-hmm. But there's always a but, and the but mm-hmm. is that we can do all these things. We can we can imprecate. We can get angry at God, but it is always before the face of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the one condition. But it's mm-hmm. like you can be as 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 mm-hmm. volcanically angry as you wish. You can be. You can ball yourself, you know, into a fit. But it's all before the face of God. The moment you turn away, that's when we all. That's mm-hmm. when it really goes wrong. That's when mm-hmm. we do kind of pitch into self-indulgence or to Mm -hmm. some kind of, you know, shutting down or stuffing it, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, again, a lot of us have been in churches or family cultures where we couldn't express emotion, certainly not these, and certainly not in church, certainly not at God. Yeah. But that is precisely where we have to take our rage and our grief and, and, you know, I think my wife would probably feel, well, it's nothing hidden, but she didn't grow up in a family that offered her the kind of nurture that most of us get. And she's still experiencing the damage, the trauma, to use sort of the language that yeah. we're using a lot these days. And for her, grief isn't a, an abstract thing. It's something that's stuck in her bones. And I see how, how, how painful it is day after day, week after week, month after month. And I think the Psalms are this gentle, nudging invitation to just keep saying the same thing over and over in the company of people who understand how you feel and would keep telling you that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, really, <laughs> that's what we want to know. And again, yeah. going back to our primordial sin... Are we alone with God, and am I alone with others? Am I alone in the world? Am I lost in the cosmos? To you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. language, and the Psalms are saying, "Nope, you're not." There's, mm-hmm. And there's nothing, nothing in our humanity that gets left off the table in what we get to pray and sing mm-hmm. to God. What type of psalm maybe is hardest for you to pray, and what what is transformed in you because of your ability and practice of praying the Psalms through many years? Uh, my twenties were hard, uh, yeah, hard in some ways, and so I had no <laughs> interest in, in praying the Psalms of praise. I I sometimes weary, uh, like I get irritated <laughs> of the Psalms that go on and on and on and on about you know all the woes of life. Mm-hmm. And not that I. And I'm fundamentally unsympathetic, but as my father-in-law, who is not a Christian, once said when he read the Psalms recently, after having watched that, that film with Bonnie and Jean, yeah. he's like, man, why is the psalmist so whiny? <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things I write about in the chapter on prayer, which is, is, mm-hmm. is I wrote it mainly to myself, is that the Psalms would cultivate in us uh, habits of sympathy and empathy. Mm-hmm. And so during this time of racial unrest and protests and, and action uh, and, and, and service of justice, I read those Psalms and now I, I don't think about myself, mm-hmm. but I think of my black brothers and sisters and their, in a curtain situation or, you know, the condition of their forefathers and mothers during the time of slavery and how that song, those Psalms, Mm-hmm. would have been exactly um, 
perfectly naming their experience. And so in a sense, while I, I, I feel tempted to skip over or sort of the gloss run, like to get to right. something else that is talking to me. I think that's one of the monastic and, and the Eugene Peterson things about like the reading the Psalms every day is, yeah. is forcing you into spaces where that's not what you feel right now. It's not what you feel personality wise or spiritual dispositionally, you know, speaking, but mm-hmm. it does force me to slow down and go, well, I, maybe, maybe that's how, and I have very specific friends in mind, maybe that's how they feel. Yeah. And maybe I can, this is a way of opening my heart up to their mm-hmm. pain. It's, it's not mine, but I, I can perhaps share it in some way or, or internalize it as a way of rescuing me from, as the young people say, making it all about me, yeah, you know? Right. Which I know, like, as a 48-year-old, you should have figured that out, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. No, yeah. no, you haven't. We will be back in just a minute with the rest of our conversation with David Taylor on the Psalms. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Welcome back to my conversation with David Taylor, author of the book, Open and Unafraid. Here we talk about justice and give you a small step. I, obviously, I wrote a chapter on Psalms of Justice. Yeah. And the whole justice thing becomes, you know, front and center for all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really at some level with the pandemic, you know, a justice issue became right. an issue. Right. Uh, the, the inequitable way in which the pandemic was affecting uh, different communities. But yeah. then with the appealing to George Floyd, justice became the thing. Yeah. That I found myself intimidated by writing this chapter because I felt myself at some level ill-equipped to write it. I also felt maybe a, a, a kind of, um, I don't know if it's embarrassment or fear that I would be outed. Like the moment I write about it, I yeah. actually have to sort of take it seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that I don't care about justice. I do, but somehow writing it. <laughs> you wouldn't like, right. It wasn't like you were going to, you weren't this activist that had a long track record right. or something. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. exactly. I'm not, I'm not an activist at heart at all. But I felt that I really did experience the transformation in writing mm-hmm. it and researching it and, uh, and crafting, you know, the chapter of saying, mm-hmm. gosh, you know, again, I wasn't raised in this tradition and I, I, I found myself even recently, not, not recently since the book came out, but in the past few years yeah. thinking, well, maybe all these activities, we just divvy them up. You did the justice, right. you did the mercy, you did the contemplation, you did the education, you know, and then that's yeah. the body. 
but the Psalms just won't let us off the hook mm-hmm. um, on that. So, so again, just to say, hey, I, I, I mean, I'm still growing, and and I really mean that. It's not. I'm not just saying that. I really am. Yeah. And justice is one of those things where we're dealing with it at Fuller Seminary. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, I'm not going to give up. Yeah. And the Psalms are just like, don't give up. Right. You know. And what yeah. I love what you're saying too is that you know the psalms give us a language too and you write about this a fair bit in your book that they, they give us communal language right they give mm-hmm. it they're not just an individualized poem of how i'm feeling at the moment mm-hmm. um, not so at they, all. they take us out of our kind of westernized american sense of spirituality and yep. gosh do yep. we need that right now yeah how do we get that sense of community back we are all desperate to be known and loved and, and cared for and, and to return that kind of, you know, knowing and loving and caring. But I think the trick, like the real challenge is, is to get beyond um, the one or two point contact experience. That is, I have a Zoom call, we pray, and then that's it. That's one contact. The two, the two point contact is we get on Zoom, we pray, and then we say, hey, what do you think? Ashley, um, you know, what comes to mind um, mm-hmm. when you pray this or when we've prayed this song? And you say, it does X, and then it ends, right? And I think community is, is forged rather, uh, you know, with difficulty with only two points of contact. Yeah. Um, it's like you need three, five, seven, nine, eleven, twenty mm-hmm. points right. of contact for that sense of really feeling the sense of, of being bonded you know knitted threaded <laughs> choose your metaphor yeah. um so i think we have to figure out how to get us in each other's faces in sort of a a, a higher degree of repetition mm-hmm. um so my wife is doing a, a a book study with some folks in our church in, including our, our, our priest he's, he's leading it um and they meet i i think they meet every two weeks that's great under the circumstances, but it's not right. not for community. So right. it's like, it will always demand something of us, our time, energy, you know, all these things we find ourselves in, in scarce supply. But if there's a way to say, Hey, let's read, um, let's read a section of Psalms. And that section could be, let's read the Psalms of Ascent, you know, mm-hmm. sort of the road, yeah. the road trip Psalms, 120 to 134, or we could read, and all the hallelujah psalms 45 to the end or we could read all the psalms of creation or all the psalms of lament or the first 10 you know and just say um let's commit to reading one a week and um asking each other very specific questions and then i mean i guess that's why i did the, yeah. the exercises because i knew that reading is one experience of learning asking yourself a question is another level asking another person and mm-hmm. vice versa is, but then doing something is always like where it really kind of deeply embeds a sense of, yeah. Oh, we're going to learn and grow and therefore feel, I guess, I guess what I'm coming down to is what we need is to figure out a method, like a, a model, an exercise, whatever you want to say of getting in each other's faces more frequently and more purposefully and more deeply mm-hmm. is all of those three. So let's just say, let's just a song to lament. Everybody has something to lament about, even if you're not fully aware. So I don't know, you know, Psalm, let's read Psalm 12 once a day for a week. 
and um, every day we'll text each other mm-hmm. um, a question. And question number one is, so let's just text each other once a day. And the first question will be, what is one thing that caught your attention from Psalm 12? And then you respond and you keep a record, right? Hopefully. Yep. And then the next day, um, you follow up on that question. Um, yesterday you said that you noticed how honest, you know, the psalmist was. And do you feel like you can be that honest with God? Mm-hmm. And then the answer is no, I, I guess I don't really. Right. Mm-hmm. And you pair up, right. Cause you can't do like 18 people on a text. Right. right? Yeah. And then the next day, you just keep doing that, and, mm-hmm. and you just do one song. Mm-hmm. You, you don't make it complicated. That's the thing. It's like, don't make it complicated. Yeah. Um, and but you just commit to keep reading, and then you commit maybe to praying. You know, it's like as things come up, and so by the end of the time, maybe the, the day one, you got on screen together, Marco Polo or FaceTime or Zoom, and then you got together again on day seven after having sort of had this intentional thing, and that's mm-hmm. what I hear of my wife just expressing constantly. I just wish I had more chances. And I know mm-hmm. we're all busy and tired, but it's, we're all hungering for the same thing. Yeah. And then, you know, day seven, you get back on, you say, man, I really, thanks for sharing all those things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd love to hear your heart on this. And how can I like pray and support you? And you want to do it again on another song you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that kind of like it, it concentrated in it, rather than sort of diffused or just so right. uh, um infrequent I, I think we're hungering for that one moment of deep community rather than yeah you know just like a hundred people that we might have a moment of community i mean we, we we're doing what every other church is doing you know for worship and it's good and our priests are do, doing a great job trying to connect, but everybody feels that it's failing. Yeah. I mean, our priests, I mean, we get it. We all, we're not like mad at each other, right. but it's like, this just sucks. I mean, right. really, this is really not does. as it should be. Yeah. And the truth is we're not, none of us are in neutral mode. Like we're not like in neutral zone until the pandemic <laughs> ends. Like we're right. still sort of breaking down inside or like if you're undernourished, that affects your physical well-being. And if you're undernourished relationally or emotionally or spiritually, it's having effects. I think Mm -hmm. I feel for a lot of people in ministry of one sort or another or or caring for one another. Mm -hmm. But I think if we can have, you know, very small, doable, but Mm -hmm. like concentrated, extended experiences of really um, hearing and being present and seeing one another, I think that, that just fills up the heart so, yeah. so quickly. Instead of like, let's read the whole Psalms. That's right, fine. right. Yeah. You know, let's read them one a day, like David says. That's great. I mean, please do it. I'm not sure that's going to give you community. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I don't have that. I mean, it's a good idea. I just mentioned I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, maybe you'll have a new <laughs> practice. Maybe now. I will. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will have to finish our conversation, okay, although I would love to chat forever. But um, tell me your laundry routine. Okay. So I'll answer that uh, uh, in, in two parts. I didn't get yep. married till I was almost 36. Okay. So I did all my laundry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I enjoyed it because there's something simple about it. Um, here's dirty. 
and there's a machine and the whites go here and the colors go there. And this is, you know, the setting you use. Um, and so that was my routine. Yeah. I'm married and I have children and my wife, nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10 does our laundry. Uh, I enjoy doing laundry. Uh, I, I enjoy that simple satisfaction of going from dirty yeah. to clean. Now, the truth is, it does get tedious, and I see my wife going, well, the laundry never is. <laughs> the answer is, eventually, when the yes. children are gone. <laughs> um, but uh, I often, as often as I can, or I'm around, I'll happily fold. Uh-huh. Because I like the kinesthetic, therapeutic nature of yep. Folding, like I find, like I posted on Instagram the other day, and my wife and I were gardening, and gardening always, I don't do it a lot. My wife is sort of, comes from a family of gardeners, but I like doing it with her. And it's not just the the feel of the earth on the hands, but just the, the, you know, the sensory nature of it. Mm -hmm. It's just the slowing down. Yeah. And my computer helps me do things fast. The microwave helps me do things fast. My brain wants to go fast. I want to run fast. Mm-hmm. But laundry and gardening and, and things like that are this. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you can only fold underwear, kids' mm-hmm. underwear, uh, so fast. Right. Um, and so I do sort of, I, I, I don't pray while I do laundry. <laughs> That's okay. But I, I do sort of like that sense of, you know, chaos into order yeah. and just sort of the, the, the rhythm of folding and putting them in nice I like things being tidy so tidy. I like all them being tidy piles um, so that, that's, that's the laundry I love it home. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for sharing it's been such a pleasure to have you thank you Ashley it's my pleasure Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with David Taylor. His book, Open and Unafraid, is a wonderful companion for you as you begin your own practice of emotional growth, spiritual health, and how we can navigate a pathway through the crazy landmines of 2020. You will enjoy it. So I want to leave you before we wrap up with one small step. Just like David said, that last bit about a deep practice and a communal practice of prayer and reading the Psalms. But I love that it starts small. I'm inviting you to do this for just this week. Grab one other person and choose to read through the same Psalm every day for a week. Ask yourselves a daily question. And maybe you're texting each other, you're jumping on a voicemail or a call or a Zoom call, but ask yourselves this question, what is one thing that caught your attention in this psalm today? And then the next day, follow up on that question with your partner. And then simply commit to read the psalm daily, to connect daily somehow, and to pray for one another and see what God will do. We need deep connection more than ever in a world that feels like it's spinning out of control. So, 
Tell me how it goes. Tag me on social media at AA Hales. Pick up a copy of David's book. And friends, we would love for you now more than ever to make sure you are subscribed to the Finding Holy podcast. If you want thoughtful conversations, if you're looking for just a very small starting place in your life of faith to connect the dots between all of the things you say you believe and how you act on an ordinary weekday, then please subscribe and tell your friends because big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.